This is Inside LAFC. I am Max. Thank you for your support. I appreciate you listening and sharing this space with me. We have a very special guest coming up. Adrian Healy, uh, a colleague of mine at ESPN, is now the voice of Austin. Austin FC. Is, is it ATX? i got to find out all their branding. But it's very exciting. I know from a Major League Soccer perspective, I look at the expansion very closely because what we've learned from LAFC and our lovely club and some others like Atlanta, this has to be you get one shot at starting and you got to make the most of it. And we've seen clubs miss that mark. LAFC hit a bullseye with developing a culture, block by block, street by street, reaching out to the supporters, having their stadium pretty much from the beginning. We started late April, which was their first home game when the season started in March. It was season one. It was ready to go. And now we've created this foundation which we can build off. And the hard part was that. And I give credit to everyone who was here before me doing the hard part because it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen by accident. It's a lot of rolling up the sleeves. And every expansion team, if you're listening to this in Austin or St. Louis or Sacramento, you got to do it the right way and you can't cut any corners. So we'll be talking to Adrian not only about Austin, uh, about his years calling MLS games. He was the man who called the first LAFC game in Seattle. Uh, we hear his soundbite all the time. You never forget your first. He's a good announcer and a good dude. So we'll talk to him here shortly. I'm recording this on a Thursday after LAFC's uh, historic victory over Vancouver Whitecaps. And we'll talk about that a little bit. It's one game. And LAFC have to get away. They've got to get a rhythm and they've got to go on a positive run here. They can't up till now it was two losses, a win, two losses. A win. So that is, has got a, and I think they're ready for it. I know it was the white caps and people were trying to uh, minimize what LAFC was able to do. And the white caps played really well coming into it. They've had a, a rough set of circumstances as a club. Uh, the Canadian teams uh, have all had a, a tough go having to play each other. But if you look at a map, the three Canadian teams had to play each other, Montreal and Toronto, uh, pretty rudimentary geography here. They're on the East coast, like where New York is and Vancouver is on the West coast where LA. So every time they play Montreal or Toronto, it's a five hour flight. And eventually they got to play us teams, which they did. This isn't about the white caps. I'm just tr- trying to say that be- doing what they did to the white caps is pretty spectacular, regardless of the opponent. The fact that LAFC was able to get it going from the opening second. They had that chance. Chiqui Palacios ran up, got the corner kick. Eddie Segura almost scored off the first corner kick, second corner kick. Dejan Yakovic scores the quickest goal in MLS or LAFC history. Now you get the earthquakes on Sunday, a team that is really laboring. You could win that. I think LAFC, I know I'm going to jinx this. I'm going to jinx this. I think they're going to win their next two games. They're going to have a three-game winning streak, and we can start focusing on the good, and not worry about if we're going to make the playoffs, but start focusing on how high can we get up the Western Conference. I hope I don't have to eat my words. I think those three games. After that, they play Colorado. The schedule's been released. I think that's important for everyone, just like you as a supporter, just like me as a broadcaster, looking at your, picking up your phone, looking at your calendar and saying, all right, my schedule's set. That makes a big difference. All the way through November the 8th, when the regular season ends. Eduard Atuesta returning. I don't think you can. I don't think you can diminish how big that is. Everyone around him played better. 
Mark Anthony K looked a different player. He didn't have to shoulder all the burden of ball winning, support, passing. Edward Atuesta is there. I compared him to a Formula One driver. Uh, if you ever, these drivers, they have to learn the track. They know there's a chicane here, a straightaway there, and that's how they navigate it. Atuesta does that in the field. He just knows, all right, I know he's going to be here. Okay, this is the pass to make. It's, it's a beautiful mind, and it's got a, he's got it all uh, telegraphed like the Terminator. Every response is there and comes in an instant. Brian Rodriguez was a lot better with uh, Edward Atuesta there. And he almost went 90 minutes. He'll be a 90-minute player now. The table set for whenever Carlos Vela returns. This was a big result for them. It's one game I know, but scoring early, I, getting a clean sheet, did not get a shot on goal for 90 minutes. After you get, uh, you're up four zip in 20 minutes, to be, to, that attention to detail for defense is very good. They almost had that one goal right after they went up one zip, and they did it. That would, that's the old LAFC, right? You just scored and you let Vancouver get back in. and all that. The wind's in your sails and the wind is out. So after what happened in Seattle, which I still say was one of uh, really one of the worst officiated games, whether the two penalties, um, the official didn't catch the first one, and he uh, he proceeded to get the information from the VAR a minute later. Second one, I will stand by it, and people are dis- are arguing with me left and right that it wasn't a penalty. So there you have it. Everyone's feeling good. We've got to keep it going, and the team knows it. The team knows it, but they're going to be feeling better. And playing at home, even when we don't have the supporters, it stinks. I was there last night sitting in the sunset deck doing our pregame show. There was this emptiness that you just couldn't fill. Uh, you see the pool, you see the bar, you see the cabana, and you're like, there's supposed to be people here. I miss you guys, and I hope we can get out there pretty soon. We'll take a quick pause here. When we return, Adrian Healy, the new voice of Austin FC, the expansion team coming in 2021. This is Inside LAFC. Subscribe, rate, and review. Welcome back to Inside LAFC and the conversations we're having. I'm very excited about this one. An old friend of mine. We used to talk about the Cincinnati Bengals, which, uh, by the way, Adrian Healy. Now we the still voice. do, Max. We still do. You're gonna you're gonna be very upset with me, Adrian. You're gonna be very upset with me. You, you've Since ditched the Bengals. I've you? ditched the Bengals. I am now an LA Chargers fan. Because oh my goodness. So what was week one like for you? Bengals again? <laughs> it was difficult. It was actually quite difficult. Sometimes I forgot who I was cheering for. But then, <laughs> then again, maybe, I gotta, maybe it's not the highest priority in my life right now. But right. Uh, I, I figured since I moved back to L.A. at the same time the L.A. Chargers did, it made sense. That was my, yeah. That yeah. Was my criteria. Totally get it. Well, neither of us really have a, a good reason for supporting the Bengals or, or, or used to in your case, do we? But we just did. We kind of got lumped with it. <laughs> it, was, it was, you know what I discovered? It was always difficult to explain to people. Yes. Who's your favorite yeah. team? I go, the Bengals. Are you from Cincinnati? No. I go, actually, I've never been to Cincinnati. I go, then <laughs> why? I go, I don't why? know. Why? Yeah, well, there's, there's no answer to that. Really, <laughs> to me, it came, to, it came down to pretty helmets, usually. <laughs> well so you might be a university of texas you might be going to these longhorn games a longhorn you know it yes. heading heading to the atx yeah well you know I've, we've 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 watched those games from afar those longhorn texas college football games and, and just marveled at like the, the whole scene there and uh, that's you know that stadium is actually one of the 10 biggest stadiums in the world it's like holds, holds over a hundred thousand it's unbelievable seeing it up close it's just just enormous i imagine many of the other top 10 are are soccer football stadiums
stadiums, uh, world football game stadiums like the Maracana yeah. and, and, and that vibe. So that, that that's an a really important list to be on. By the way, I'll give some background here before because I always go off uh, as I do on these podcasts. Adrian Healy, who is now the uh, it's the head of content as well and the the voice of Austin FC for the the MLS team that's coming in next year. Yep, fantastic. The LAFC wannabes next year, you know. <laughs> you say um, that it's been it's been it's been pretty cool to see what you guys have been doing. So, uh, how, you know, I'm I'm really excited personally because you are an incredible announcer, and to have another one of us in this MLS pool of announcers is uh, is good business. So, how did it all happen? Well, it was kind of a kind of a a long process, Max, and it kind of really started with my my love of the city itself, which goes way, way back to my, my, my alternative rock music days as a, as a DJ in, in Boston and, and going to a South by Southwest festival in the early, early nineties and, and falling in love with the place. And, uh, but then never making it back, but always keeping an eye on that city and wondering, Oh, I wonder if that could be a, you know, an MLS city down the line. And then, you know, Dallas came in obviously at the start of the league and then Houston came in mid two thousands. And I thought, well, there's probably no room for another Texas team, but then, watching them nearly get there with the Aztecs in, in like 2010, they started up in the USL. I kind of followed their progress. They couldn't get it going. They had to move to Orlando. And then, so, you know, when, when 2017, 2018 rolls around and they start talking about Austin again, being in the, in the picture, I'm like, Hmm, interesting. Love that city. Always thought it'd be a great MLS city. And then I watched the ownership group take place. I watched them appoint Josh Wolf as a coach. And then like this time last year, they appointed Claudia Reyna. And at that point, as the sporting director, lured him away for New York City FC. And at that point, I really sat up and took notes. I'm like, holy moly, they mean <laughs> business. I should find out what's going on down there. And so I started some informal conversations with the ownership group. Kind of had met the ownership group because obviously they, they had their Columbus days as well. And I met them, met them covering the league. Columbus with those great runs in 2015, etc. So kind of reestablished that dialogue and they invited me down in f- late February to just come and have a look and talk. And, uh, and then of course COVID hit. So, so it all went quiet for like two or three months, but then we started talking again in the summer and pretty quickly, actually they were, it went from sort of a vague, do you want to fly in and do games if ESPN will let you sort of conversation to, Hey, how about going all in and, and, doing the whole thing and not just the games, but getting involved on a day-to-day basis. And the timing was just right, Max. It really was. It's like, you know, time for a new adventure. That stage of my life, that stage at ESPN where it was like, it was fine, but but why, but why not? And it was really just the perfect. So I don't think I would have done it many other places at all, if any. I mean, Austin just kind of was perfect. And I knew there was only going to be this one chance. I mean, they were only going to start once. And so I really wanted to be in on, on the birth of this, this club in this amazing city, which, you know, it doesn't have a professional sports team. And it's, it's going to be completely new for this city to have, a, for, to have a pro team to get behind. And what an amazing, what an amazing opportunity. So it was really, it was, it was a, once in a once in a career, once in a lifetime sort of thing. So that's, that's why I made, made the jump. I'll talk on that in a moment, but let me, let me circle back. Alter- was it alternative rock DJ? <laughs> oh, you're like way back. Oh yeah, 
Coming to South by Southwest, you just got you, your cool points just went through the roof. When you're going, I'm going to go check out, uh, yeah, the Foo Fighters down there. I'll be right back and I'll play it, a set. <laughs> it was even pre Foo Fighters. I was going to go a little earlier, but we have a young, we may have a younger audience, so I don't want to go too far. But no, you can go LA. It was Beck. It was the year Beck okay. really broke out, uh, 94, and Beck, Beck was actually opening up for Johnny Cash. And um, that was the year, like a couple of months after he played Loser, went, went you know, Interstellar, and, and the rest is history. But that, he, was, he was the big act remembered for that year, South by Southwest. You've, you've got to be. I saw Beck at a Mountain Jam Festival in Hunter, New York. Best oh, festival wow. I ever went to, and he was amazing. And, yeah, great show. Uh, this was yeah. he, he went on at like midnight, and then they had a Thievery Corporation go on at two a.m. I go, this is the greatest because usually they're throwing you out at midnight. And I, the music stopped at <laughs> four a.m. I was like, yeah. I was too old. I'm too old, but I, we were camping, so I it was a camping I, again. Too old, for, but it was a great experience. I probably won't do it again. But that was like four. Right. Uh, yeah. That's a listening to your story is. You're going to get to hear a lot of good music down in Austin. That's another plus. Yeah, please so. let it come back sometime soon. I mean, you know, it's the light, you, the live music capital of the world. Is is the first sign you see when you get off the plane at the airport, and it, it really has been that. But um, are you ready for a live show if I go down there oh, in 2021? So ready. I'm very ready good. For, ready for seven nights a week. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be a busy man. <laughs> Listening to your story was like it was like a mirror image because I, I and I. I and this is like if someone's listening and I, you know, I know some folks that want to get into our industry or listening, but this is what is required. It's not like an overnight thing where you go, okay, I'd like to be your broadcaster. It's something that you saw over a year or two years. And I did that with LAFC. I'd make appearances and come to the folks say, Hey, uh, so what's going on? I wouldn't ask for the, the job. I go, Hey, what's going on? What are you guys doing? And oh, we're busy this and okay. And it was like this keeping up appearances situation. Yeah. I actually, I went to L, I flew to LA once uh, to do a meeting and I told them I was in town and I really just flew in to see those guys. Then I flew back. I saw my, I told my wife, should I do it? I go, yeah, I really wanted the gig. You really wanted this Austin yeah. gig. And this is like what is required. It's a process of meetings and just shaking hands and, or you know, shaking hands back then. No shaking hands now, but, uh, <laughs> but going through that process and bumping taking, elbows. How's that? <laughs> but taking something that you wanted and I, and it's uh there's no shortcuts really no no i mean it's 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 what yeah you always get these questions about how you know how you get into the industry and how you break in and there, there, there is no there is no formula is there max you know it's like it's like there's no there's there's no there's no linear path to get anywhere in this in this business it just uh, and nobody's going to come ask you say hey you want to be it they've got to you've got to put that that idea in their head right Right, so. exactly. Yeah, and and that's what happened with Austin. I mean, the the president, Andy Lugnane, uh, basically said, you know, we're falling in love with the idea of actually bringing you in full time. Are you are you open to that? So I'm like, yes, I'm absolutely open to it. So it was kind of a yeah long process, but really really excited. And I, you know, it, it's interesting you you bring up the comparison with your your journey to LA because in many ways there's a lot of similarities between how these clubs are starting, including of course our. Um, uh, celebrity uh, ownership. ownership. <laughs> I can tell you, Matthew McConaughey is already, yeah, in in sort of private supporters group meetings, already been talking up the he and Will Ferrell scrap that's going to happen uh, in the centre of the field the first time. The thing was that first time Austin plays LAFC. I'll do a little sidebar here. 
but when with Will Ferrell, people go, oh, Will Ferrell is uh, he's there. He's like this figure, and I'm sure he'll pop in once in a while. And I go, he is at he's at all the games. I traveled to Mexico when they were in the Concacaf Champions League in Leon. He's there. He was yeah. important. He travels with the team. He 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 has movies just like Matthew McConaughey does, which was going to keep him away from the club. But if he's free, he was at these games. I, I would imagine that's kind of the same feeling. Oh, absolutely, it's. It's already become apparent how hands-on he is, Max. Wow. He is absolutely. I mean, he has this title, Minister of Culture, which a lot of people... I saw that. Oh, <laughs> well, he's, he's actually, he's talking to the marketing guys. He's talking to the president. He's talking to the supporters group. He's, he's like talking about supporter culture and what, what that, what's that going to mean in Austin. And, and yeah, I mean, he's, he's all in. Um, I hope he is at as many games as Will is. So that would be great. He actually said that one of his earliest... Sort of wake up calls was going into the supporters end at LAFC. Will must have invited him to a game, and he went incognito into the supporters end there and kind of soaked up that atmosphere. And, and I think that helped really kind of sell him big time on the, on the league and what it could be in Austin too. It's it's a shared space here, and you know LAFC. Uh, Tom Pan and others mentioned they they went to Dortmund and Richard Roscoe, and they they looked at what was going on there and they went to the timbers and they asked for advice and lafc with what they've experienced will be happy to pass that on because success from austin or success from cincinnati or nashville is good for our shared space we yeah. all the, yeah. the more the merrier in this case and you mentioned minister of culture and lafc more than anything and this was this blew me away when i arrived this was done well before i set a foot into lafc is developing that culture with the, the the hats the black and gold the street yeah. by street the block by block and how have you seen that in your short time and i know you're still i'm getting you very early here you're transitioning <laughs> into austin and I, I i i i'm enjoying this in, in a way i know you're going through hell and high water moving it's not a fun experience but i went through this and it's it's exciting but yeah. when you look when you look at what austin's doing to develop that culture there in in texas you know austin's near san antonio it's it's got you have yeah. houston and dallas but you have a, you have an area where you can develop so what have you seen in the developing of the culture that austin is doing well they, you know they were right off the bat it was yeah we're going to be we're going to be verde we're going to be we're going to be green they 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 came up with the the texas important. Group, yeah uh, they're, they're, they're simple so it, everything's about verde and it, it's interesting because the supporter it's always been a massive soccer city, even though it hasn't had a hasn't had a team to, to, to get behind. Not not at the major league level, anyway. Soccer has always been well supported, well watched. World Cup viewing figures have always been massive there. Premier League viewing figures have always been massive. So it's like, how do you bring together this whole city behind one team? Is the challenge they've got as as, as a culture and. I think one of the great things about supporter culture, it's kind of a blank slate. It's like, okay, you define now what, what it's going to mean to be Austin FC. And it's, you know, we, we can't do that as a club um, or as a corporation or as owners or whatever. It's really, it's really the fans. And, um, and they have, I mean, Austin is amazing. Like LA, just incredibly diverse city, but it's also a very kind of open and, uh, accepting and welcoming and confident city. And I think, I think they're going through this process right now of trying to establish what, what Austin culture is going to be. It's, it's great. It's, it's just going to evolve before our eyes, but I think there's going to be, 
you know, drums are going to be involved. Music's going to be involved. A lot of color. It's going to be a show. They want they want Austin to be a place where you know people look forward to coming, but they're also afraid of coming. You know, <laughs> those those two things at the same time. So, so yeah, it's it's in its embryonic stage from me viewing it because I'm not even there yet. But but I, already from what I've seen, it's it's kind of actively kind of evolving, and and just like with the with, with the LAFC fan base they the, the, the dialogue has been open and really flowing uh, between the supporters groups and the and the and the club right from right from the word go so that's great it sounds like you're doing the right things and these ha- things have to ha- happen organically and i know yeah. uh, again something that happened before i did and I, I know i told you when we got on here before we started recording was this when i arrived i was told make sure you make the connections with the supporters. Like, hold on a second. I got to make a connection with the club. I got to make a connection with Bob Bradley. And then I finally did it. And then it just opened a whole new world for me. And I go, this is amazing. And they have been my allies and they have, I've bounced ideas off them and they've, you know, we've done content plays with them and they've, they've really shown me the way it's getting kind of this grassroots level with these supporters. They, you know, they're, they're a huge asset. Like when people come to our stadium, you know, yeah, notwithstanding COVID. And I don't want to keep saying that all the time because if things are going to get back to normal, I, yeah. I know it, but it's yeah. people come to see the 3252 or they come to see the stadium. Yeah. And it's that's part of the experience that makes it so unique. Oh, absolutely. No, I mean, the 3252 is, is one of the, I mean, it's, you know, when you think LAFC, you think, well, the first three things, three or four things you think of, you think, maybe you think Vela as an outsider. Maybe you think, Bradley, but you definitely think 3252 right there, right at the top. It, it is what is established as part of that club. And I think you've set the set the bar very high there. And I think Austin look at that and think, okay, that's that's the standard now for, for a club culture. And and you know, we have to really step up to the plate and do Austin's own twist on that. But it'll be something something with that level of vibrancy and and music and passion, uh, which will be Austin rather than LA. But you've, it's the same sort of template. <laughs> I'm, I, I probably don't say this a lot, but one of my favorite musicians was Waylon Jennings, and he always saw, he oh, always yeah. sing about Austin. And I just, I've, I've spent very little time in Austin. I'm going to change that. I'm going to come visit you, and yeah. I'm gonna, I have a friend out there yeah. as well. And I probably do a. I was actually going to go to uh, not South by Southwest, Austin City Limits last year, yeah. and then it, it didn't happen. But uh, I've always been amazed by that culture. You know, the food as well is a big part. Oh, my God. It's going to be tough keeping the LBs off. Let me tell you, really tough. Oh, my God. Because when, when I hear before my family moved out, I was hitting taco trucks every day. And I'd have oh. six Al Pastor tacos, which, you know, it's you, – yeah. you see the way that – I mean, and it was, oh, I'm going to go eat here. And all these – my favorite places I would I'd frequent, it was uh, – yeah. It's part of it. I've settled in. Now we eat at home all the time. And I wish I kind of missed those days of being wild and <laughs> eating out. But, you know, the salt levels went through the roof. And The queso will get you. In, in Austin. <laughs> Just the queso alone. It's like, it's unbelievable. It's so good. What's the, sta- what's the stadium? I saw you do a tour. So what's the status of that stadium? And what are they looking How? What are they, what are certain features they're looking to have there that will capture the city, will capture the fan base? Well, I think I think actually again, I think the LAFC stadium has been kind of the uh, the benchmark for that. It's slightly smaller; it's like twenty thousand five hundred. They have a they have a chance to add another two thousand on down down the road. But it's it's it kind of reminds me a lot of the LAFC stadium. It's it's it, the, the canopies are there. It's all designed to keep the noise in. Um, 
it's all designed to try and make the viewing experience as, as pleasant as possible, given that it's Texas and it's, it's July and August. So there's going to be some hundred degree days and, and they've, they've thought, they've thought of everything. Basically it's, it's remarkable. It's six months, six months. They're right on track um, for being completed. It's going to be open in six months. Well, whenever the MLS season starts, oh, okay. March, April, it, yeah, it'll, it'll be ready to go. Um, they, you know, they're, I think they're anticipating having to play the first two or three games on the road just, just as a new team, they would do that. But it, it'll, it'll be open when it should be at the start of uh, next season. It's going to be... Uh, it, it, it's interesting because it feels... You know, standing there a couple of weeks ago like it, it feels it feels kind of intimate but large at the same time. They've managed to they've managed to get that feeling where you feel like you're in a you're in a you're in an impressive, you know, uh, building of some magnitude. But it also feels like everyone's going to be really close around. Hey, so you, it, you mentioned the heat, but they'll do they'll there'll be some some cover for fans where they'll yeah, so they'll, yeah. wow that's fantastic. And they've got these these the, they're very proud of the seats they're putting in, which are these kind of plastic. I don't know what the what the technical term is, but it's the first time they're being used in any any stadium in America. Apparently, these seats that allow. Yeah, even though they're plastic, they don't get hot. So, I, wow, is there beer explain, inside them? Don't expect me to explain how it works, but they're they're very proud of their seats. <laughs> I love it. I mean, it's 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 one upmanship here, and every stadium ha- it should look better. I know when Minnesota's came out, there was pressure to be like, all right, we can't, you can't be. I, I you know, bank, I was at Bank of California Stadium last night, and it, it's it's still it's still this incredible cathedral. But uh, oh, yeah. every cl- you can't, some clubs, and they, without getting into it, when they had new stadiums, maybe cut a few corners. You know, no one's got the price tag that some other places do. Yeah. But you, you've got to make an impact. When I went to Minnesota, I saw them do that. And uh, yeah, it's, it, it's, is it going to be close to the center of the town or city? Well, it's, it's a little further out than the LA stadium. It's, it's up in an area of uh, Austin called the Domain, which is almost kind of like the second downtown now of Austin. So it's the old sort of historic downtown, which is still where a lot of stuff happened, down, down by the river. And then it's about seven miles to the north, um, okay. which is all still the city. I mean, it's, this, is, this is a city that's growing and it's going yeah, to oh, grow. So it's still part of the city, but it's this, it's this northern hub of the city that has developed into a second downtown and the stadium's right there. Um, so it's actually really accessible public transport off, right off the highways. So it's, it's actually a really good spot to put it. The only thing they don't have is kind of the iconic view of the Austin downtown from there, the way, the way you have it. Uh, well, that's okay. Not everyone can do the, the downtown, but we'll, we'll enjoy the road trip at some point. So yeah. uh, let's talk, let's talk some football. Let's talk some football, Adrian. And before you were at ESPN, you, you were covering the, the revolution. You were the voice of the Rebs. Yeah. So looking at the league, when you did that, how have you seen it uh, progress? Obviously it's changed a whole lot, but uh, I, you know, I, I, when I talk, when I, when I saw you did that, I said, this is a great, this is a great hire for Austin, not just because Adrian is a national voice, but he's put in this time as an MLS guy. He knows the, the inner workings. He knows the, the situations where clubs have been successful. Where, you know, in New England, you, you've been calling it Gillette Stadium, this massive football stadium with a smaller crowd, and you, you adapted. But seeing where it's come and where it's going, what, what comes to mind? Oh, my God. I, well, I, I do feel like it's funny you bring up the race. I've always thought that, you know, one day I would return to kind of being in the fold of a club rather than rather than sort of as a, as a neutral broadcaster. And, that, and the, the revs got me started. I had, I had four, five, six great years with them, but really in the 
embryonic years of the league. You know what it was like, Max. You, you absolutely too. I mean, it was just it just. It, people ask me this often. It's very hard to compare because it, it has come so far in those two decades. So it, it almost bears no relation to the league we we covered back then. It, it happened late, so quickly in the late nineties. Yeah, yeah, it really did. And for a lot of that time, I'm sure you remember, we were just worried about, you know, would there even be a league? Would, would it survive? Absolutely, you know? yeah. Literally going from year to year, weren't we? Just thankful that another season rolled around and there were still 10 teams and then it went to 12 and then it went back down to 10. Um, but, but everything was just, was just so different. And you know, what, you know what really kind of, really kind of strikes me as one of the biggest differences is how more connected to the to the global game the league now is because back then it just it just i don't know if you felt this too max but it just always seemed to me that it felt it was in a bubble it was kind of its own yeah league. It didn't pay any attention to what was going there wasn't much movement of players in either direction it was kind of its own thing and they almost tried to pretend the rest of the world didn't exist um in, in trying to grow mls and then yeah those attitudes changed completely and evaporated in the 2000s and and everything has been on an upward trend since but it was it was really a, a battle for survival in those early years what i remember and, and and yeah i just happened to be with a team who were pretty bad as well for all of those years so i feel like i've i've seen what that's like i mean the revs really struggled mightily for their first five or six years of existence just couldn't get it right never you know i think they made the scraped into the playoffs once in the in those first five or six years and that was when eight out of ten teams made the playoffs oh boy <laughs> so very I mean, forgiving postseason <laughs> yeah and the you know and we were all playing in you know we, we would come and play the galaxy and it'd be at the rose bowl and we were in this cabin which is great to you know for me to see the rose bowl iconic stadium but it was like you know 20, 30,000 fans in there is nothing, is it? So, yeah. um, and that, but that, that was mirrored throughout wherever you went. We were, we were felt, felt like we were tenants in someone else's you know, backyard. And um, my God, I mean, it's, it's, it's just, it is such an amazing story. I, I can't, I mean, you know, people have asked me, I, I can't think of another league that has progressed at the velocity of MLS in the last two decades. I mean, I know the Premier League is, is kind of, Gone, gone exponential, but they were coming from a pretty high place to start off with. Um, from where we've come from in the last twenty years, it is just it, there can't be another league on on the planet that has uh, that has expanded uh, in, in all facets the way that MLS has. Um, yeah, in I mean, and even thinking like I mean, even the academy, the, the one, the latest development is these academy players starting cool. to get in the eyeballs because, as you said, we were in a bubble and these European yeah. clubs kind of. What's going on in the United States? Don't worry about it. I, yeah. Two funny stories about I, I, I was the broad, I broadcast when Real Madrid, I forgot what year, and it was the Galacticos, coached by yeah. Fabio Capello, and they played the LA Galaxy, then the Home Depot Center. And then we sat in with the, uh, the, uh, the media uh, appearance for Fabio Capello, and someone goes, who impressed you by the Galaxy? And he's like, well... Um, uh, number 10. And he goes, oh, <laughs> Landon Donovan. Yeah. And then he goes, I don't know. I don't know these guys. We're just here. We're on a tour. We're getting ready for our season. He like, got very frustrated with the answer. I, I doubled over laughing and it hit yeah. me. I was like, man, we're so far away from that, but that doesn't happen anymore. And it also reminds me of the, uh, the book by Grant Wall, the Beckham ex experiment. When oh, he yeah. yeah. And he was in, they were the galaxy. were about to play the revolution. 
And yeah. I remember staying at this hotel in, in Braintree, Massachusetts, the Sheraton in Braintree. Oh, yes. And it was, it's built like King Arthur's Camelot. It's, it's very tacky. Uh, I don't know if it's still there. I'm sure it is. Oh, but it they, is. Yeah. They would bring this, you know, they bring this food that's been, you're like, and then, you know, I would eat it. I wouldn't, I'm, uh, you know, I, I was like, whatever. This is pretty par for the course. I'm used to staying at hotels like this. And it's not a bad hotel. I mean, I've, been, I've stayed in much worse. But then Beckham kind of put his foot down. He goes, that's it. I'm not eating this food. I'm not staying in these hotels. And from that day forward, it was nicer hotels. And it was just, it just, and, and, you know, the Beckham situation is one of those things that had to happen because yeah. it, it, it yeah. made it legal. We can't be, we can't play small ball anymore. And, you know, if you yeah. did that now for a team, whether it's LAFC, Austin, or whether it's uh, DC United, I'm just saying DC because they're at the bottom of the ladder, uh, yeah. it, it won't fly. So uh, it's, it's been, it's been good to be for this ride. And I feel I'm, I'm jealous of the people who will replace us in 10, 20 years in our broadcasting roles because they're yeah. going to live the good life the way this is going. Yeah. Well, I'm just glad the two of us have made it to, to see these, <laughs> these days, you know, from, from where it was 20 years ago. God, we couldn't, we couldn't have imagined this, could we? I mean, we no. really couldn't. Well, no. We get to do this. But it's funny you bring up Beckham because I still think that was, that was the moment. That was the moment that really catapulted this league into a different dimension. Um, not necessarily because of what he did on the field, but just what that meant and what, and what that opened up. Yeah. That was, that was, that was a huge moment. Because of Beckham, you have Will Ferrell and then you have Matthew McConaughey yeah. and you have this huge investment. And we had one, you know, we had the Columbus crew stadium as a soccer specific. We have what 20, everyone has, you, you have to have it all like three or four teams have a soccer specific yeah. venue at this yeah. point. I'll, let's wrap it up with, your calls, I, I, your calls are famous. My, my two favorite, who, who's the Belgian guy? He goes, big hair, big, <laughs> the World Cup. big goal, big hair. What's that guy's big name? Stage. Big, big stage, big man, lots of big, yeah. Oh, uh, what was his name? The, uh, the Belgian. Uh, I, uh, Fellaini, Marianne. Ah, uh, Marianne, beautiful. So you always had a wonderful uh, fray, turn of phrase in your call. But it, in, as LAFC, and you can say this, I'll never say it. And you know, you, you, you got me on this, but you called the first ever goal when LAFC were in Seattle. And oh, yes, Diego, that's Diego right. Rossi. Diego Rossi, they, yeah. They, yeah, still yeah. Play, they still play that audio all the time. You'll, <laughs> and it goes, You'll never forget your first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that was, that was, I will never forget that. It was great. And I remember immediately when he scored, looking up because. Were you, were you, I can't remember. I was you at the there. desk. I was you, at the desk with uh, Taylor. Oh, that's right. Bill Farrell joined us. And I, rem yes. I, I, I remember it so vividly because also the owner's box was full. And then that goal, which uh, I had the earpiece in, so I heard your call. But that's what I remember looking. I remember looking up. Uh, we made, made the call, whatever, dropped, uh, you know, Rossi's wheeling away, everyone's celebrating. I remember looking up at the LA owner's box where yes. there was a hole. And, and everyone, it was like, it was like, it was like bedlam and pandemonium in there. It was like things were flying, streamers were going off, scarves were whirling. It was, it was, I remember just looking up and like, wow, that's brilliant. They've come up to Seattle. They've just seen their team score their first ever goal and they are just, just loving it. Um, so yeah, that was, that was a, that was a, what a great start to uh, <laughs> that was. I'm glad I started that way because it was just like putting the tent pole in and then it, it's all built from there. And we, yeah. re, we relive that goal constantly. And yeah. I remember when I saw it and when I was thinking, we'll never, we will never forget this because this is the beginning of it all. And uh, I remember seeing those, the owner's box and it was like a silhouette 
you saw silhouettes yeah. of hats and arms and they're all like it was like a cartoon of these yes, arms flying exactly. and it was exactly uh, it was like the roadrunner dust was flying <laughs> flowers and champagne and it was like uh, brilliant so Adrian, what a signing he's ended up being though max diego rossi we, we talk oh, about him a lot and uh, i i know he wants to go to europe i'm happy he stays here but i know he just got called to the uruguayan national team and yeah if it you know Getting MLS players, because Alfonso Davies, I, I use this comparison, they bought him for 11 million Bayern Munich, and he's worth 80 million now. And there's yeah. like an MLS discount. And I don't want more MLS discounts. So yeah. I don't know what the offering is. I mean, I think, I think Rossi is a $20 million player, if not more, because he's yeah. durable, he's fast, and now he's a great finisher. Yeah, it's these guys. Uh, that's that's underdeveloped in this league. I, we have yeah. these talented guys that we have seen in Tyler Adams and yeah. the list keeps growing and they go over overseas and they contribute from the jump. Right. Yeah. Well, I think that's, that's the new model, isn't it? Diego Rossi. I mean, he should be, he should be worth more than that in my, in my view. I mean, I agree, but I, 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 James I is worth 120 million. Why, why, why is Rossi only worth 20? You know? like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rossi has a little Jaden Sancho. He just is blazing. Yeah. But the one thing I always say about him is like, since he's been here, he's a small guy, but he plays every yeah. game and he plays 90 minutes of every game and he plays right. it hard. And if you're a team that has all these fixtures, this is the guy you want. If you're in Champions League and you have two games a week, we've had two games a week. He's playing every game. He's playing yeah. every 90 minutes. Yeah. yeah. Well, Adrian, been, this has been great, Max. Absolutely. The next step now is road trip 2021. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Uh, I know the LAFC fans. I imagine Austin's going to be in the Western Conference. So yes, there'll always are. be the so, Austin road trip that we'll look forward to. And uh, we'll, we'll all be staying at your place. So we'll be coming over. Yeah. Me and all the 3252. So I'll, yeah. I'll be at room. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll uh, I'll plan my real estate uh, future accordingly. In that case, but, it's just it's just two nights, two nights to accommodate that. Adrian, all the best. Thanks for your look, time. And look forward to look forward to seeing you, Max, and and uh, everyone at LA as well. It's going to be great. fantastic. And make sure you guys subscribe to Inside LAFC, where we have great conversations like this. Please rate and review as well. Thank you. Oh, yeah.